0: and
1: Good afternoon. You are listening to Resonance 104.4 FM, and this is Art Then and Now with me, your host, Anna Gammons. This is the show where we explore art from the past and art from the present to understand how we as humans have expressed ourselves throughout time. Our theme this week is art on stage, and I will be speaking to set and costume designer for the theatre, Frankie Bradshaw. But before that, I thought it would be fun to recap the history and role of theatre in and around London throughout the the ages. So theatre has had a fairly colourful history in the UK, and particularly in London. When we think of the theatre in London, I know my brain certainly goes to the West End, although of course the landscape is far wider than just the West End of London, but the most recent production I saw was Hamilton, written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, and I have never seen such a clever and relevant interpretation of a historical event. The the production tells the story of the founding father of America, um, alexander hamilton through the medium of hip-hop and it completely blew me away and it held my complete attention throughout um but it also gave me a new respect for the timeless nature of the performing arts and their importance in conveying ideas to the masses as well so what is the history um of course With anything in the UK, you have to take it way, way back if you want to find the roots of anything um, in our very um, historically rich country. But um, theatre was introduced in Europe um, and including what we now call the UK by the Romans, of course, who built um, the auditoriums to show plays. But by the medieval period, street theatre was very, very popular and actors would travel around the country and perform folk tale stories such as... Robin Hood and St George of the Dragon, which I'm sure you know, we still refer to now in popular culture. Um, there are also lots of medieval festivals that put on morality and mystery plays. And these often, as I'm sure um, you can imagine, related to kind of very religious and Christian themes, such as the creation and the fall of man, and also Noah and the flooding and the nativity, things like that. Things that kind of were t- trying to convey a message to their audience, particularly a religious message. The most famous one is probably Probably the 9,000 line religious drama called The Cornish or Denalia, and that was written around 1400. So this really does go way, way, way back. Um, Elizabeth I, who ruled from 1558 to 1603 was a big big fan of the arts um, and this included literature as well as theatre which kind of tend to go hand in hand if you think about playwrights and then obviously they get produced and uh, you know eventually on stage hopefully um, and she especially enjoyed the work of none other than Mr. William Shakespeare probably haven't heard of him he's you know no big deal or anything um, <laughs> but Shakespeare referenced the Queen in his play A Midsummer Night's Dream and even wrote The Merry Wives of Winder on her request so she he was a very, very big patron of the arts and particularly for Shakespeare. Um, also during the reign um, in- Inigo Jones helped to shape the style of the theatre that we have today by introducing the proscenium, basically structure which is essentially the arch that we watch it through so the shape of the actual set itself um, and I actually thought the Globe was the first permanent um, theatre built but it actually turns out that in 1576 the first permanent public playhouse was built in Shoreditch 23 years before the Globe in 1599 so I mean that makes Sense with what we know about Shoreditch today. It's very much a cultural hub, even now. Um, So, the Globe was built in 1599, and well, the original Globe was built in 1599 um, by Shakespeare's play company, um, the Lord Chamberlain's Men, on the south bank of the Thames, and it's essentially like an amphitheatre and it can hold up to 3,000 people. There's a different kind of structure with it where you have the pit, which is for people who, um, if they spent a penny, which is where that phrase comes from, and we often Refer to that as going to the toilet now, but that is where that comes from. If you spent a penny, you could watch, um, or the groundlings could watch, um, and watch the production from kind of the pit. And there are all kinds of uh, stories relating to the unhygienic nature of where people used to basically relieve themselves on the floor where they were standing because it was so tightly packed that you couldn't actually move or get out to go to the toilet. And then, of course, there's a stadium-style seating around the back if you had a little bit more m- money to spend. Um, there's also a balcony at the Globe where musicians would. Reside Side. And also, the certain scenes of Shakespeare's work, such as Romeo and Juliet, I'm sure you know which scene I'm talking about, uh, they would use the balcony above. Um, so that was, uh, I thought that was really fascinating that they actually kind of thought about um, the composition of the stage, even way, way, way back then. Um, they also had um, a composition which was called... Um, the heavens which was basically had clouds painted on the ceiling of the theatre and the bottom of the stage was meant to look like hell and this again was very resonant of the idea of kind of that religious um, element of theatre as well and kind of the moral messages of these stories. In 1613 it was destroyed by a fire rebuilt in 1614 and then eventually that was knocked down by the Puritans um, who basically decided that they wanted to close all of the theatres in London. This was under Oliver Cromwell because in 1642 they believed that it was attracting the wrong sort of people. Um, This kind of included people such as beggars and thieves and sex workers and they believed that this negatively impacted the surroundings so they decided for 18 years to kind of close all the fun that people were having in London Um, and it wasn't until the Restoration period under Charles II in 1660 that um, theatre was actually reinstated um, and especially comedy theatre as well. So, and also this I found quite exciting. Although it, I don't, you know, it took ages that the first professional actress um, was actually uh, founded at this time as well. So in Shakespeare's time, all female roles were played by boys, and Charles kind of found this a little bit um, what well, he he kind of calls it a bit disturbing. Um, the historical documents say that he said it was disturbing. So they essentially allowed women to be performers. So I thought that was kind of interesting, and then. In the 18th century, we have the um, introduction of domestic and satirical plays such as Sheridan's School for Scandal, which was very heavily endorsed by the Duchess of Devonshire and performed at the Drury Lane. And then the Victorian period swung around and this kind of saw the opening of many theatres across London, including the New Adelphi and the Garrick. And then the 20th century rolls around. And there's a lot of ups and downs during this time with the Great Depression of 1929, where uh, theatre wasn't funded as much, people couldn't afford to go as much. And then, of course, you had the Blitz, which in 1940 wiped out a huge proportion of the infrastructure around the kind of commercial and entertainment industry. But good old Edinburgh Fringe Festival came around. Well, it wasn't called that. It was called the Edinburgh Festival. And it sort of sparked culture back into the north when in 1940. Seven, eight uninvited theatre companies decided that they were going to show up and perform, and this kind of introduced um, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Then, of course, Andrew Lloyd Webber came around in the 1960s and he, uh, probably one of the most famous playwrights in the world, musicians in the world, um, created the Phantom of the Opera, Cats and Jesus Christ Superstar. So throughout the years, theatre has been the stage for cultural expression. Its power is shown by the fact that in so many different times it was censored. Um, But luckily it remains today one of the best settings for the collective experience of art. Good afternoon, you are listening to Resonance 104.4 FM and I hope you enjoyed my brief timeline of the development of Theatre in London. Now, I caught up with freelance set and costume designer Frankie Bradshaw um, about her ideas on uh, the theatre as a stage for creativity. I apologise, there are some um, slight distortions of the sound as my microphone's decided to break, but uh, hopefully I will be forgiven. Enjoy.
0: Bye. So I am here with Frankie. Do you want to introduce yourself, Frankie? Uh, Yeah, hello. My name is Frankie Bradshaw, and um, I'm a freelance set and costume designer for theatre. Awesome. Okay, should we start with the beginning uh, bits? How did you become a theatre designer? Um, I was kind of just a bit of an all-rounder as a kid, and so didn't quite know which direction I was heading in, Mm -hmm. Um, but at school I was kind of always like, art was my main sort of love, um yeah. and so after secondary school I went into an art foundation course at Wimbledon College of Art very, very cool. and I uh just luckily um they uh because they're one of the few art schools that do uh, offer theatre design. Mm-hmm. Um, I just tried it out as my one last option on the different kind of pathways that Oh, no way.
1: So <laughs> it was like one of those sliding doors moments where you could have literally chosen anything Completely. and it happened to me that, That's so
0: interesting. Um, okay. So, and I really didn't think... I, I just thought, oh, I'll spend a, a fortnight doing this and this will be fun. Uh-huh.
1: Um,
0: and then... Because, I mean, I'd, I'd gone to art school thinking that I probably would do a degree in fine art. Yeah. And... I quickly realised that actually I uh, I didn't think I had enough that I wanted to say to people through mm. painting as just one medium. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. I... And I also realised that I might be quite lonely because I quite like working in a team. Yes. And I... Uh, Realised that actually the theatre design module had kind of fused together all of the things that I liked and was good at, like um, like art, like mm-hmm. literature, uh, music, performance. Although I'm not at all a performer, <laughs> sing um, us on
1: right now. <laughs> um, but it gave you like a framework or a structure. And I mean,
0: part of me does kind of just miss painting because i don't really do very much anymore Trust me when
1: you paint all day every day you'll <laughs> stop it i promise you.
0: <laughs> but no that's
1: kind of cool because it as it, like um i'm in frankie's studio right now and it's so it's multimedia isn't it like mm. there's you've got spray cans you've got paints you've got pens you've got pencils you've got like glitter I think I've seen before like (laughs) definitely loads of blue. um so yeah it kind of like you can kind of get stuck in I like I feel like it's one of those um careers where and and you're working with people and you're you know it combines a lot of things together which is I mean
0: literally kind of um, no two days are the same because Mm -hmm. you um there's so many different facets to my job um because because it It's both set and it's costume design and then it also kind of encompasses props as well as that. You could be designing a show that's like just uh, one living room, Mm -hmm. but a lot of the time you're not. Um, And so you might be designing kind of things that are really hard to Mm -hmm. get hold of and they might require making rather than sourcing. Um, And so then you're engaging with prop makers. um, And then the other, um, like, you work with so many different people from scenic artists to builders to production managers and then all of the people that go together in a wardrobe department so dressmakers, um mm-hmm. costume supervisors who are the ones that kind of organize it all mm-hmm. uh, go out and buy all the fabrics and you probably go with them to do that and then yeah. you'll do costume fittings that's so um, good it very like very
1: much yeah there's fashion there's a fashion element too as well oh, like yeah. i really when you're de- designing costumes as well yeah. like it's so interesting so like so you you started at Wimbledon and then you
0: went to Liverpool is that right yes you... I studied at the. The Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts. Okay, um, right, which and was, that was
1: when your main kind of...
0: Well, it, I ended up going there because um, as much as I really loved my year at Wimbledon, I didn't want to stay studying theatre in an art school environment um, because right. I wanted to uh, do, a, do a degree that kind of gave me a, a really hands-on um, experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, for example, I mean by the very first year we were already working on, um, all of the, the real productions that all of the actors and musicians, um, were, and dancers were putting on at Lippa. So you're just kind of instantly involved in all those. Okay. Um, And so you just get kind of thrown in at the deep end and Mm -hmm. you learn so quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, and then by the end of third year, you're the kind of head designer on, Mm -hmm. um, various of the productions Mm -hmm. and, What's really great about Lippo is that it's, it's a quite a small um, university, uh, but it has a course for every single discipline that it, um, takes to put on a production yes okay. so okay
1: so everyone has their role when it comes to does. doing a
0: performance yeah
1: that's so interesting and less theoretical like actually more practical like you mm. got to be involved and you need to know those things I imagine it comes in really handy now when you're you know um conferring with directors or whatever you, yeah, you need completely. to know like what they're talking about when they talk about lighting for yeah. example like
0: so it kind of gives you a really well rounded I mean, mm. albeit basic, understanding yeah. <laughs> of everyone else's jobs, which is so important sure. when you are working together. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it's given me a whole network of people to work with. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I still work so with loads of my university contemporaries. Mm-hmm. So. We, we
1: kind of covered, um, you talked a little bit about the fact that no day is the same. Can mm. you run through an, an average day or maybe an average couple of days?
0: Well. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of depends on what part of the process I'm at with any given project. Yes, yeah, that's very true. I, um, I mean, at, at the start of designing a project, mm-hmm. um, you might be in your studio reading the script mm-hmm. or meeting with the director to talk, mm-hmm. um, or you might be... Um, researching, looking through books, going to libraries or even going on like research trips if you're lucky. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That is like oh, you one thing that I <laughs> love to do. Um, I've been lucky enough to go to some amazing places actually. Like, I
1: had to go to Paris, there was there's something I really <laughs> needed to see there for research. Well actually <laughs>
0: amazingly um, I did go to Paris quite recently um, and wow. the I think it was about three evenings before I went oh, I nice. suddenly got... Um, asked to design a show that is set in Paris um no. that's coming up in um in May uh in 2020 and so, it so actually <laughs> it became a research ship really serendipitously. that's so good um, um
1: okay so every day so you, so you so can do anything from like I guess you said reading scripts designing in the studio yeah, to then yeah, having yeah, meetings yeah. and
0: um so then um you'll take um all of those kind of initial uh, conversations and ideas and you'll start building a um, design um, in the form of sketches and Mm -hmm. a model um, and you'll kind of keep refining and refining that Mm -hmm. um, by um, kind of engaging the rest of your team Mm -hmm. um, to see if it um, you can afford it. See if it works for the piece. Yeah, um, see course. if it's buildable. Is it yeah. structurally <laughs> yeah. appropriate? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And eventually, you get to a kind of a final design that is um, agreed on, mm-hmm. and at which point it goes into. Uh, well, it, you hand it over. Um, so then. Um, a workshop will take it on and you yeah. might go and visit the workshop and you'll talk to the scenic painters. Yes. And,
1: and you have to pray that they have taken your vision and they yeah, are like doing it completely. appropriately. But then um, you oversee, I guess, don't you, as well? Like
0: you're monitoring. Yeah, you do. I suppose. Um, and so it's all about kind of developing um, a dialogue and kind of good trust between those who are making your work. You as the designer being clear yeah. about what you want. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so then... By that point, the uh, cast are probably starting to rehearse. Mm. So what you'd also do is go and do a model presentation to show them the design they're working okay. with. Okay, so they can visualise show like... You, show them your costume designs. Um, and you might go and watch like a run-through yeah. um, to see, to kind of prepare yourself for how the show mm-hmm. is kind of is looking just in the rehearsal room
1: yeah, um,
0: and see if all those kind of initial ideas that you talked about with the director have kind of manifested themselves properly. Yeah, um, come together in the right yeah. way.
1: So we've kind of talked a little bit about um, when you get given a project, what's your approach to designing a set? Like, how do you start out? I mean, you mentioned kind of reading the script and then
0: you do drawings, you're saying, and then just kind of yeah. um, free-balling you, ideas. Like, how does that... Uh, yeah, I mean, I might... Uh, Kind of really boringly, it sounds like, but it's very useful. (laughs) I might kind of, well, first I'd read the script just sort of, I don't know, sat on the sofa or in the bath or Uh um, kind of separate to my kind of work environment Uh so that I'm just reading it and absorbing it. But then I'd read it a second time and I'd make a spreadsheet.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God, you're so organised. I love it. (laughs) 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 Okay, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. particularly if it's a, like a big show or like a musical, and there's lots of changes within yeah. it, um, you need to make spreadsheets of uh, the kind of um, different scenes, the different locations yeah. the show is going to, yeah. um, so you know the requirements that your set mm-hmm. design has to convey. Yeah. Um, and then all the different costumes at each different scene, and you can think, okay, well, that character she's in scene two and she's only got five seconds to mm-hmm. get on and off and so she, that change needs to be really, really quick yeah. so then you build so then the all of that. the costume obviously
1: develops from that and you have to get yeah. like a quick change. That, yeah, that's really interesting. I, I, I'm a huge fan of a spreadsheet. Anyone that knows me <laughs> knows that I love a spreadsheet um, but to be able to get, like I think sometimes you approach the most creative tasks in the most non-creative yeah, way because completely. you have to break them down in Ooh. some kind of capacity to understand like what, how your creativity can fit in that framework as yeah. we talked about yeah. yeah that yeah. can be like a little bit overwhelming so no i'm really glad to hear that like I, spreadsheets are our
0: friends <laughs> if i have a really clear understanding of like what's the budget what do I, what are the bare requirements mm-hmm. that i need to fulfill mm-hmm. then that's the point at which i can start being creative Absolutely. and that's when i just kind of absorb myself in books mm-hmm. and in image research mm-hmm. and um just kind of like talking to people even um going yeah. to exhibitions. Um. What is your particular
1: style? Like, do you kind of have reoccurring themes to your work? Like, how do you, do you have kind of have your
0: Frankie stamp? What, <laughs> what is that? What would that be? I really like places that have a real sense of kind of age and history behind them. And so mm. um, you can find kind of almost like a narrative within the environment um, before You've even had characters mm. walk on stage and tell a story. Yeah. So it's kind That's of like... Um, actually, my friend Grace Smart, who's another theatre designer, wrote a really brilliant article recently about how the set design is like another character mm-hmm. um, on the stage. Yeah. It's um, like Sex
1: in the City with... Um, they said New York's its own character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's <laughs>
0: yeah. a perfect place for that
1: as well because we're so, like, seeped in history here. It's... Yeah.
0: And I think it's so, like... I mean, I, I often veer towards, like, um, kind of grubbier more uh gritty. yeah gritty um derelict mm-hmm. um or kind of like slightly falling apart <laughs> kind of places <laughs> no, um, I like that. I like or that. ones that you can really see like how nature has really started impacting yeah. like yeah um has there been a flood or is it Mm. particularly dry and it's all starting to like, all the um, wallpaper is sort of peeling away or- I was gonna um, say, because
1: that gives it texture, doesn't it? And then I kind of of
0: like to sort of boil down an environment into its kind of like most important part. Say you're in a hospital, you don't have to show every door and every corridor and every Mm. light fitting. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. You can kind of um, think, okay, in this environment, it feels clinical. It, there would be metal. Mm-hmm. There'd be a cool sort of palette of colours mm. um, on the walls and it feels institutional and a bit harsh and yeah. a bit too clean. Yeah. You can take those as your own sort of building blocks to form a design from.
1: So how do you know when your design is finished? Is it ever kind well, of... That's a really interesting question. <laughs> or do you sit there because... watching it and wanting to touch it up? I mean,
0: like, we have this sort of... Um, Deadline, which is called the final design oh god that sounds (laughs) very scary and it is to be honest the night where I'm most likely to kind of be up late in my studio Mm -hmm. um, really Mm -hmm. working to the wire but um, uh, and that's when uh, you that's the deadline for handing over a uh, final finished painted model and technical Mm -hmm. drawings of the set and uh, finished costume drawings right Um, okay we have what's called um, uh, a tech week where that's the point when you go to the theatre and the set is built on the stage mm-hmm. and the sound and the lighting um, designers come and, oh, and also potentially video designers um, are joining in more and more. Mm. Um, and the actors will then be rehearsing on the set and we'll implement all of the technical Mm -hmm. sides of the production right um and then that will run up to the dress rehearsal and the opening of the show but you'd think that would be the final point yeah but it's still not because then we have a what's called a preview process final point when when you stop working on it is the press night which will happen a few days generally a few days or a week or so yeah. after the f- the opening first show right Okay, um, and that's when you sit back <laughs> and you enjoy your work yeah. and you have a joke. and hope yeah <laughs> yeah
1: absolutely so we've talked about how um you like to kind of you like to pick the character in a building or like you like it to be derelict or it has to be kind of gritty there has to be a character mm-hmm. to it when you're costume designing what's your kind of approach to To costumes and and sort of I guess fashion in a way I suppose
0: but I guess I don't know if I have such a clear cut style when it comes to costuming Mm. um I often feel that my designs are more the conceptual and expressive element is often the set design so actually to balance that out I find myself costuming in the most naturalistic way um, so that you still get that kind of key information you need about each character Yes. Um, and so it's more just about detail and era and Mm -hmm. um, really kind of showing a person's, Mm -hmm. well a character's personality Mm -hmm. Um, unless you're doing a show which is really, it's it's not a straight drama and Mm -hmm. I mean for example kind of opera or Panto or dance or um mm-hmm. where you can be much more expressive yeah. um and then mm-hmm. that gets really fun and you can yeah, really kind of um get inspired by um artists and fashion designers and Yeah. where do
1: you yeah. go to look at things like
0: internet or vogue or like what's All there? sorts really. I guess it depends what um, area you're looking at. As yeah, well. it really does. Um I mean the weirdest things can kind of inspire you. I really like sure. using quite unusual materials like I um the other day I saw this really, really brilliant dress that was entirely made out of rubber gloves. I was just like, <laughs> I'm definitely using that at some That's point. so great. Yeah. What designers or artists influenced you? Um, I mean, there's loads and loads of brilliant theatre designers who I really look up to. I was lucky enough to um, work as a full-time assistant for two years to uh, a designer called Christopher Oram. Okay. Um, who is a very, very brilliant designer and is also very generous with uh involving his uh associates in the process i go to a lot of exhibitions um with artists who work a lot in 3d um, mm. I like i particularly like cornelia parker there's always a sense of kind of like physicality and force on her mm. work which i find really really and dynamic um, have tried to sort of find ways to recreate mm-hmm. that in my own work yeah um, and it's good that it sparks something in you as well we all need those places to go when we're yeah. feeling a little bit uh creatively
1: dry yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah I think the other thing that I really like about the idea of her work being quite physical is that actually you can translate that into stage design because stage design is live mm-hmm. so you can think okay well Cornelia Parker has blown up a shed mm-hmm. what if we Literally see something being blown up yeah, on yeah, stage. Yeah, 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 we can create that. Um, and so I love that kind of um, sense of like what you can do really unexpectedly mm-hmm. live. Yes, that's really interesting. And then how you've kind of
1: seen a, a visual stimuli and then you mm. can create it, as you said, in a dynamic. in in a dynamic way so what are your most memorable or favorite projects that you've worked on I've seen so much of your work I feel like I've got my favorites
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh I think the thing that often always comes to mind for me was probably one of the first shows where I really felt like we'd achieved something kind of cool yeah Um, and it was also one of the hardest shows I've done (laughs) Um, but it was just a very small little theatre called The Fimbra, uh, Mm -hmm. where I put on a really um, obscure musical called The Adding Machine. It was a lovely but odd little piece. And we ended up um, designing a a, a swimming pool that got revealed halfway through the show. Um, And uh, so from Act 2 onwards, um, all the cast were acting from sort of within um, quite a lot of water. No. Um, and then you realize they were in a swimming pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it and made sense. So everyone was just kind of Amazing. splashing around. And, um, but that was a really logistical kind of nightmare, really. Yeah. And so in order to sort of pull that off, it involved a lot of people's hard work. Um sure. There were points where I thought, oh my gosh, why are we doing this? Yeah, like, yeah It's yeah, not yeah. going to work. Um, but eventually... We made it, and the show was, like, a huge success. Um, And I won the um, Off West End Best Set Design for it, which was a real boost to my career. Yeah, Um, and
1: gave you the confidence to then be like, if I've got a wacky idea and I follow it through and I've got the confidence now to say, actually, trust your gut if if you think it's going to work. And it gave me the confidence to say, like i have set to that yeah. I can do it yeah oh my god yeah we all definitely need those moments so um, what current projects are you working on at the moment
0: well I am um, I'm taking a show that I did last year um called sweat which was on at the donmar warehouse um Mm -hmm. in covent garden into it's transferring into the gilgood theater on charlesbury avenue so Um, exciting west end (laughs) (laughs) very exciting um it was a really brilliant project that just kind of it sort of smashed it in reviews and so we were all really really chuffed um and we thought that was the end of the the project we were really happy with it but actually suddenly Producers got in touch and said, "Okay, we'd like to transfer this, so um, we are doing it again." Where can people find you, Frankie, to find out more information about you and your work? Well, um, I've got a website which is uh, www.frankiebradshawdesign.co.uk Nice and simple, um, to the point. <laughs> and I'm also on uh, Instagram as uh, Frankie Snaps. And on Great. Twitter as Frankie underscore Brad. Okay, fine. Oh, I like that renditions of your <laughs> of your
1: name. Uh-